Hey, it is good to be here with you this morning. Uh, for those of you I haven't had the pleasure of getting to know yet, my name is Andy Hermanson, uh, also on staff here, and they let me talk about Jesus every once in a while. So, uh, yeah, that sounds like a good way to spend a Sunday morning, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to start this morning. I just, I just want to acknowledge a fact. Uh, I have lots of facts I want to acknowledge this morning, but this one is just one that's hit me from the moment I walked in the door here this morning uh, until now. We have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Yeah, thank you. I agree. It's worthy of our applause, and it's an important thing for us to acknowledge. And by the way, happy December, everybody. I don't know where that showed up from or how that got here to this point, but uh, we're in this season, and it's a season to kind of look back and to be thankful, a season to kind of understand uh, and appreciate all the things that God has given us. And, and the other fact I want to acknowledge this morning is for some of us sitting in this room, and I heard it as I heard some conversations as well, is it might be a lot easier for you to acknowledge where God has not blessed you right now because uh, you're still waiting for something to God, for God to do in your life. Uh, but I'll tell you, every time I heard something like that this morning, I heard the people around uh, saying, you know, but there's still hope. There's still something to be thankful for in that. And, and my prayer for you this last week, as I was kind of thinking about you all, uh, was that hopefully in some point in the last seven days, you're, whether you're eating turkey or just hanging out or whatever, you got a chance where God kind of tapped you on the shoulder and just said, we have a lot to be thankful for. All right, so, so that's part. We have a lot to be thankful for. And last week, John talked about being thankful for you all, right? But I'm thankful for a lot of things as well. You want to know what else I'm thankful for? Yeah, I'm thankful for God for the way that he takes care of us, the way he takes care of his kids. And he loves us, he forgives us, he came to be with us, and we allow him to come to us, we do not have to go to him, right? I'm thankful to be a part of a church family that lives this stuff out, right? In everything, in every corner, I see you as I get to know you and stumble into your lives. I love getting to see uh, how you're taking this stuff seriously. You take God very seriously ourselves. We don't always take so seriously, but that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. I'll tell you what else I'm thankful for. It's the leadership of that guy that was just up here, Pastor John. Can we show him some love one more time? <clears throat> Absolutely. We have a lot to be thankful for, and it is a time to celebrate. It's a season of celebration. I mean, that's what the holidays are all about, right? Right? That's what they're all about. And the fun is just beginning. Sure, we just had Thanksgiving, but we've got four weeks in front of us, the season of Advent, working up to a celebration, or as I like to say, a Jesus party like no other on Christmas Eve, and it's going to be fun. We're working hard. It's a season of celebration. It's also a season of preparation, and there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before that can happen. It's a great time of year. At least that's what everybody tells us, but is it always? Right? Aren't there seasons, aren't there times in this season of preparation where it just can seem like, you know, maybe it's not the most wonderful time of the year. I always have that song stuck in my head, and sometimes I think, you got to be kidding me, right? Especially when we look around and see what's going on. I mean, sometimes we get into our own way. We spend all this time uh, preparing for this big celebration, and it's just possible that maybe you're like me, and every once in a while in this season, there's a temptation that I could get into. And the temptation is this. Am I going to allow the preparations for the celebration to get in the way of actually enjoying the thing that I'm celebrating? I'll say that again. The temptation is this. Our preparations could get in the way for the very thing that we're preparing to celebrate. I got a video clip I want to show you this morning, and as you watch this, I just want to ask you, can you relate to this? Let's take a look.
Okay, Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. My mom has us at her house for dinner at 3 o'clock. Okay, but we need to leave by 5.30 to make it to my parents for dessert. Two and a half hours? Give me till 7. 5.45. 6.30. 6. Done. Uh, my dad will stop over for leftovers on Friday. Okay, but no shopping. We don't shop. What do you call buying every gadget that you do Men see? don't shop. Binge. No. Peruse. We bargain hunt. Oh, wow. Well, you still have five weeks. You know that's not how it, or how my family works. We... We weather Black Friday like a couple of Vikings in a storm. Well, then take the kids. They'll just slow us down. Kids aren't meant for the sea. Well, fine. But you'll need to take the girls for the afternoon on Saturday. Whoa, Saturday? No, no. Iowa is kicking off at 2 o'clock, which I can catch on the radio. That's just Now, fine. the recitals. Laura's Christmas pageant rehearsals are on Thursdays. Time. They're finished at 6. I can do that. And that day of, you need to pick up Brad from school and meet us there by 5.30. We won't make it home for supper. We'll stop for some drive through and eat on the way. Okay. What about Allison's recital that Friday? Are you still busy with the cookie drive that afternoon? Yes, but I'll be able to pick up Brad and make it there by the finale. Just be sure the camera is charged and you have a fresh tape in it. <laughs> Sorry, what is this, 1998? It has an SD card, not a tape. Whatever. Okay, now the week of Christmas. I have my holiday party on the 23rd, so you'll need to pick up the kids that night, okay? Because we're leaving for my brothers in the morning, so pack that night. For how long? For at least three days. Do and don't have... forget the toothbrushes. Do we have bags for all that? Yeah, Brad's stuff can go in with yours, and Laura gets the big bags, so and she packs double more than what she needs anyway. And <laughs> Allison and I will take the middle size bag, okay? And you need to save the back seat for the turkey, the casserole ingredients, the potatoes, the corn, the stuffing, the cranberries, the silverware, the Christmas plates, the uh, bowls, and the mixer, and so the So we have masher. to take all of that stuff with us to Wisconsin? I, I think Sam and Mary have oh, things... yeah! Like, I'm gonna let Mary cook for 14 again. Oh, yeah, well, if we bring the turkey, we can guarantee that it'll be thawed before it's cooked. So you didn't like the turkey sickle? <laughs> this is Christmas dinner, and I'm not going to mess with that. We're bringing all of that, but... What do you want me to not bring? Cranberries. Well, other people like them. The dishes? Mary doesn't have Christmas okay, plates. Okay, uh, last item. Which service are we going to? I mean, where does that fit in? Let's see, church. Yeah. Church. I think most of us admit that can be an easy temptation to give into. Maybe we'll make it to church on Christmas Eve, but it's possible to go through this entire season of Advent without ever realizing what it is that we're waiting for. Whatever it is that we're preparing for, it's supposed to be a time of celebration, of preparation for a party like no other, for a king who is yet to come. I mean, Christmas and Advent are supposed to be glorious, aren't they? It's supposed to be this great time, and it ends up just being stressful. I mean, sometimes we end up with a whole lot more stress than we bargain for, and it's no secret. And I thought I could stand up here and tell you this, but I just figured I'd rather show it to you in pictures, right? I mean, we've got some, some comparisons here. So some of us are looking for, and we picture this next picture in our mind, right? Quality time with our families. Look, the kids are behaving. Everybody's got smiles on, right? Nobody's fighting. And then the reality is sometimes we look like this, right? Where we're camped out all night shopping for things, right? But it goes beyond. We have other things. Sometimes we think the holiday is going to look like this. See, look at the guy's pretending like he likes shopping. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> 
right? Look at he is so good, and his wife is just adoring that, right? Because shopping, that's fun, right? That's part of preparing, right? Ideal reality, right? I like the guy, not, not just the lady, but look at the guy in the upper left-hand corner, right? That's how I feel after about 15 minutes of shopping, and it goes on. The next slide, right? We know this is a season to be spending time with God, and so the ideal is that we would be spending time reading our Bibles, that, and not just so we can check something off a list, but so we can connect, so we can say, God, I love this feeling of knowing that you're in my life. I love this season because I know what it's about. That's the ideal. Here's the reality. We've got these long to-do lists, and we just end up with a headache sometimes. And maybe you can't relate to that, but maybe you can relate to this. You have this ideal, this time where you just want this season to be holy, right? Where you just want to sing, oh, come all ye faithful, joy to the world, whatever your favorite Christmas carol is, and you want to mean it. You want to wing, and whether that's at church or whether that's in your car as you're driving home, you want to experience this. This is what we have in our mind. But a lot of us, we walk away from Christmas ending up looking like this, right? Where you just want to scream. And the thing is, as I was thinking about this week, I mean, what are the holidays like? I mean, what are the traps that we can fall into? We can get so busy with the preparations, right? That we can miss everything. We can miss it. And the thing is, the kicker about all this is that it starts out so small, right? We kind of are getting into this, this pace, and I'm going to try not to kill myself on this thing. This is the first time I've ever preached from a treadmill, so let's see how this goes, all right? Right? But here's the thing that happens. Some of you are totally hoping that I biff it on this, aren't you? Yes. Right? But here's the thing. All of us walk this pace during the holidays, don't we? I almost did fall off this this morning, so I'm going to keep going here. Right? We walk this pace, and here's what happened. You're walking along, and you think, you know what? I'm really enjoying this. Right? I'm not breathing hard right now. I'm really out of shape, so I'll probably be breathing hard in a second. Right? But the pace is sustainable. We understand that this is what it means to walk through this season. But then things begin to happen. The neighbors start putting up the Christmas lights. Right? We go to the store. We see the sales that are going on. The catalogs. I feel like they showed up around August this time for Christmas. Right? And then there's that person, that person that apparently has way more time in each day than I ever will, or maybe you ever will, right? Because they give gifts to everybody, not major stuff, not big gifts, right? But it's just enough where you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a total jerk if I don't give that person a gift back, right? All of a sudden, one more thing on the to-do list, and it just keeps going. We have cards that we need to send. There are carols we're supposed to be singing. There are meals to prep, cookies to bake, and more importantly, cookies to eat, right? Family to spend time with. And before we know it, things just keep going and, oh my gosh, we're having trouble keeping up and, and you're just in a full all-out sprint and you're finally at this point, you just can't take it anymore and you're about ready to pull your hair out and, and you just want to jump off, right? You're in this pace and the last thing that you're experiencing as you run through this holiday season is joy. Why did Jesus come? I don't think it's just so we can do the right Christian thing, I think it's so we can experience joy, right? So we can experience the wonder of this, the power of this, but the reality is that a lot of us end up on this treadmill. I hate treadmills, right? It's a little too much like a hamster wheel for me, right? You ever go to the gym to work out and you're like, there's all these people in a cage running and they don't know what they're doing. They're not going in. I personally love running outdoors, 
And the thing about it is sometimes we don't even know that we're on the treadmill. We don't even realize it because we haven't even gotten to the biggest stressor yet. The biggest stressor of the holidays is people, right? Being, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And here's the thing, when it comes to people and stress during the holidays, there's kind of two ends of the spectrum on this and, and you'll instantly know where you fit, right? There are people over here, extroverts like me, that love spending time with people, right? But then there are the other people, the introverts, right, that experience too much togetherness. That's what I call it, right? Too much togetherness. And if you have somebody in your family that looks like Cousin Eddie, if you've seen Christmas Vacation, right, he just shows up and stays for three weeks and does everything that guests are not supposed to do. If you've ever experienced that, then you are experiencing too much togetherness. And I know that as a, as a family, as a Christian, I think, well, I should want to spend time with people, right? No, some of you have relatives in here that put the fun in dysfunction, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about, and apparently you're not the only ones if you're related to this, because Oprah, Oprah of all people, in her magazine, rep, rep, she resurrected an article from 10 years ago. You know what it's called? Five Ways to Survive Family Gatherings. We are at the point as Christians or just as a, as a society now where we need help surviving our family gatherings because there's a little too much togetherness sometimes. Right? And I print off instructions if anybody wants to play dysfunctional family bingo. This actually exists, and this magazine says you should do this to survive the holidays. Right? So you get this blank bingo card, and you write in, so-and-so makes fun of me, or this person smells really bad, or whatever. Right? Somebody ate too much. Right? And then you get a couple of friends. You get them to fill out cards that do the exact same thing. And then when you get your bingo, whoever gets the first bingo has to sneak away and call the other people, and they get a prize or after New Year's sometime. You get a free lunch, right? If we have to play dysfunctional family bingo, then maybe there's something wrong. Maybe you're suffering from too much togetherness. And then there's the other aspect of this, and I want to be really honest about this. For some of us, Christmas is hard. You hate the season. You could not be less excited about it. Not because of who's going to be there, but because who's not. Right? Because the fact is that things have changed and it's not going to be the same about it. And so you just, you just, you don't want to do this. And what makes it even worse, what makes it even more stressful then is the guilt that we feel because everybody else around us seems so happy. I just, I want to give you permission this holiday, this Advent season to be honest. To be honest with God, to be honest with yourself, to be honest with the people around you. Because these holidays, if we're not careful they'll make us crazy. In fact, they turn us into crazy people. They, they make some of us go into survivor mode. Did you know that three people were shot this weekend at Black Friday events? Yeah. One of them was shot because there was an argument over a parking space. Who are we? And what are we becoming? But the thing is that stores celebrate this. And a few years ago, Target, they nailed it with this commercial. I want you to watch this. And as you look at this, say, is there any part of truth in this that I might be kind of like that? Let's take a look. The Target two-day sale is almost here. The last thing that's going to stop me is weak thighs. Mountain series, level 10, backwards. Starts Friday, November 26th at 4 a.m. There you go. Right? That's crazy Target lady, everyone. All right. Here's what I want you to know. If weak thighs are the thing that are going to keep you from experiencing the joy of Christmas, then Houston, we have a problem. Here's my question. What's stressing you out these days? And it's not a rhetorical question. We do something interesting every once in a while here at Hope Des Moines. We call it 
community time because we believe that worship, as we connect with God, we also connect with each other. So here's what I want you to do, and some of you are going to kill me for making you do this. I want you to get up and find somebody that you don't know, or if you're comfortable with that, find somebody to talk to, and I just want to give you a couple minutes. Here's your question. What stresses you out these days, and what is the effect that it's having on you? What stresses you out these days, and what is the effect it's having on you? So I'll give you a couple minutes, and then I'll bring you back together. So stand up. Right? All right? Find some people. You got two minutes. And let the other person talk. All right. Here's what I notice as I turn you loose. And a lot of you don't even know each other. Right? I mean, some of you are total strangers, and you're thinking, what kind of church is this that they make me actually talk to a real person? Right? We do that because it's good, and we, we believe God wants us to be connected. We're better together. But here's what I noticed about you as you did that. You had no trouble coming up with something that is stressing you. You didn't have to think twice. And that's because the reality of the season is it is built right now in our culture to glide with the opposite of what Advent and preparation and celebrating the birth of our King is all about. If we're honest with ourselves, we need help. We need help and we need it now. We need a new kind of Christmas. And that's why we're doing this series is talking that. And I know that was a long introduction, but as we walk through this series the next four weeks, I think it's really important that we understand the ways that Christmas can get off track, the ways our preparations can derail us from the very thing that we should be experiencing. Again, I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about this whole, every fiber of your being experiencing this. So Jesus knew that we would live in a situation like this, and so I think that's why he gave us the Bible reading that we have for today. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you open again to Luke chapter 12, page 795. And let me set the stage for you, page 795, as you're moving there. All right, Jesus is on a roll. Jesus is on a, uh, a road trip with his disciples. He's, you could say he's on a mission from God. He's teaching his disciples, but he's got a bigger important point than that. He's proclaiming this new kingdom that's coming. As Luke logs story after story, as he chronicles all of these conversations and these things that are happening to Jesus, he begins to understand, he paints the picture for us that Jesus is telling us there's a new reality that we get to experience. And the cool thing is that this new reality, it has consequences. And so Jesus is having this conversation. Chapter 12, he starts in verse 21, and he wraps up his conversation. He says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. And then he moves on to the consequences. If we live in this new kingdom, if we experience this reality, he sees this moment to, uh, oh, that's cool. He sees this moment to teach his disciples, and this is what he says. That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear for life is more than food. Your body is more clothing. And if you read the chapters before this, you can understand why Jesus brings this up now. He's been seeing person after person. He stopped and he saw Mary and Martha. He's fed 4,000 people. He's gotten arguments with Pharisees. Jesus has been encountering all slices of humanity. Right? He sees the hurting, he sees the arrogant, he sees the, the people who are in want, but he also sees the scared. And as he begins to put all these humanities together, I think as we look at this, we can see that everybody's kind of asking the same question, and here's what it is. Can God get me through this? Whatever this is, can, can God get me through this? Can he put food in my stomach? Can, can he give me peace in this time of chaos? Can, 
Can he help me understand who God really is? Can God get me through this? And it's a common question. It's a question that a lot of us are asking. And so Jesus, he comes to his disciples because he's teaching them, right? Jesus, Jesus didn't start a nice social club. Jesus started a movement 2,000 years ago. It's still going on today. And he just says, don't worry. He thinks that's something we need to hear. And I can't think of a better time for us to hear that than right now launching into this Advent season when we've just come out of this season, this week, of remembering how thankful we are. Because we have so much to be thankful for. And, and I love how Jesus, you know, he could go on this long theological argument, make all of these big points. And what does he do? He just starts pointing to stuff, right? Check this out. He says, life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. And then he says, look at the ravens. That is, look at the birds. I'm sure they were just right next to him. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, and God feeds them, right? Look at the birds. God feeds them. And he points to the flowers, and he says, uh, they, God takes care of them as well. And then he asks the question, could all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worries can't accomplish a little thing like that, what use is worrying over the bigger things? So he says, look at the birds. He says, look at the flowers. Look at the world around you. God keeps this moving. Granted, it may not be the way that we would choose to, to write the story, but who says that God isn't in work even when we don't think he is? God is working through this kingdom, and it becomes a reality as we look that Jesus is teaching his disciples there's this new kingdom, and it's led by a king who has infinite resources but also has the heart of a father. I love what he says just the chapter before. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, are you going to hand him a stone, right? If they're asking for something, you're going to give them, and if we can get it right, earthly dads, right? I've given some horrible Christmas gifts. The kind of stuff I thought I wanted and just gave to other people, right? Rather than the stuff that they actually wanted. But if I can get it right every once in a while and not just give vacuum cleaners for Christmas every year, Right? How much more can God do it? He knows exactly what you need. In fact, we have everything that we need. And so as we, have, as we go through this, this season, there's a temptation for us to get locked in and running on the treadmill and get going faster and faster. And we may not even realize it. Maybe it's just a little passing comment that somebody in your family makes that sets you off for the rest of the holidays, right? If people have that kind of control over you, then they're putting you on a treadmill whether you know it or not. And now Jesus comes into this situation and he says, the opposite is true. You have this thing, you have everything that you need, in fact, to ground you, to, to lead you through this season. And that is, you have everything that you need to not end up like this ship that I'm going to put up on the screen called the Vasa. Everybody say Vasa, Vasa. right? This is the Vasa. Uh, it's a ship. It was built in 16... 12, a long time ago at least, as far as I can tell. Uh, and it was built in Sweden, and it was the pride of the Navy. See, Sweden at the time, they were in uh, battle. They were at war with the nation of Poland. And so finally, they, they were trying to figure out what is it we can do. They knew they needed a new strategy, and they decided to take it into the water, and they wanted to beef up their Navy. So they went down to the shipyard. They found a guy who was building the ship, and they said, no, 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 no. I know you're just building this for you, but we want to use this to save our country. We want, to, we want to take this. We want to destroy our enemy with it. And they said, okay. So he changed the design, put a bunch more stuff on it, made room for the soldiers to be upon it, put some cannons on it. And it was the pride of the Swedish Navy. 
That is until it got less than a mile out of the harbor and it capsized and sunk. And they just kind of forgot about it until not too long ago, it was resurrected out of the depths of, of that harbor and it had been preserved. And so they got to study it. You know what the issue was? It didn't have anything to ground it, to center it. There's nothing that was holding it together and keeping it balanced, giving it an even keel, whatever the circumstances were had. People that know technical terms would say there was insufficient ballast, right? Vessels hoping to make a voyage across the sea need something to anchor them, to keep them from giving in to the conditions that they're facing. And you and I, as we go through this Christmas season, we need a ballast, We need something that can anchor us, that can hold us no matter what comes. Something that will help us stay connected to God and to live, not just just survive this holiday season, but to thrive, right? Jesus in John 10.10, he says, I have come that you can have life and have it to the full, right? That does not sound like running on a treadmill to me, doing things for other people that I don't even want to be doing or being stressed out all the time. But just as any ship that leaves harbor faces threats to the journey that it's on, We do as well. And for me, I can think of no better example of that than Christmas Day, the first one I had as a married man living with my wife in Seattle. See, we had been married just a few months, and and my wife was crazy enough to follow me and live live with me halfway across the country. She let me move her from her family. This was both of our first time not being with our families on Christmas Eve. And not only that, she married a pastor, right? Christmas Eve is kind of a work day. So it's not like we could go home. And, and so I think her family had all these traditions and we both wanted to be home, but we knew we had to be with our new family. And we had everything prepared, that is, except we forgot to get groceries. It's our first Christmas away and we're like, and my parents were supposed to be coming to town and their flight had been delayed so they couldn't be with us. We go to the grocery store, we realize it's closed, right? We're like, oh, what are we gonna do? So we start looking around for restaurants and thought, oh, we'll just go to our favorite restaurant. And they were all closed except for one. Well, there was a Chinese restaurant or there was a pub. And I said, well, let's go to the pub. And we sat there. And as I ate some of the the hardest, sketchiest pasta that I had ever eaten, and I look across the table at my wife, and she's beginning to have tears come down. I mean, this is not the holiday that she thought it would be. Me neither. Our expectations had not been met. The last thing that we were experiencing was joy. But I want to tell you this morning that God used that time, even that hard experience, to teach me about where joy comes from. You see, God's telling us, Jesus is telling us in this passage that we, there is a kingdom and that we have everything we need to make it, to make it through Christmas. I mean, what would it look like to have a Christmas where we don't want it to be over, where we're not, whew, now I can rest, right? What would it look like not just to survive but to thrive. And I think we find the answer in that. And what do we do with this? Like this news, this good news that we have access to this kingdom, it's freedom. It sets us free and it brings us life. And what do we do with this freedom? The answer to that is in Luke chapter 12 as well, where Jesus tells his disciples, he says, if you want to live in this, if you want to live in this kingdom, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. And so this morning, I just wanted to give you three things as we kind of wrap up here about what does it look like to seek the kingdom. And sometimes these are going to be easier for some of us than others. But the first thing that we need to do is to seek space. 
right? To make space for God to speak. Jesus is our paradigm in how to seek the kingdom. And he constantly, I mean, he was a horrible PR representative, right? He's at the height of his ministry, and that's when he goes and on vacation. That's when he takes a break. But he knows where his success really comes from. And so we need to do the same. And here's what we know if we look at the life of Jesus. He loves spending time with his dad. It's important to be a Mary rather than a Martha. We need to make space, space for God, space to listen, right? Space to even surround ourselves with the story, to let the story form us. We need to make space. And not only that, we need to seek peace. We need to seek peace. I mean, what does it look like when the waves come crashing against us? And not just peace on the outside, like don't punch anybody in the face at your holiday gathering, right? But what does it look like to have peace on the inside? This is how David talks about it. David, in Psalm 131, he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. You can't live like that if you're stuck on a treadmill. And Paul in Colossians 3 says, let the peace of Christ that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. If you want to know how to seek peace, it's a choice. It's a choice. And finally, not only do we need to seek those two things, but the third thing is to seek joy. To seek joy, not just to seek stress, but to seek joy to seek the kingdom. And you might be asking, where does joy come from? Well, I'll tell you, it's not necessarily the places that you expect, right? Sure, we think joy comes from doing things that we like, but sometimes it comes in serving one another. And I think that's why Jesus in this passage, why he wraps up this whole lesson for his disciples saying, don't just go seek your own joy. But he says, once you've entered into this kingdom, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Sometimes the best way to seek joy is to give it all away. Whatever we've got, no matter how much you have or how much you don't have, there is joy for you to be had this season. And so I thought, well, how can I help you experience some joy this morning? I mean, we're already having cake. We already have donut holes. What else can we do, right? And then it hit me candy canes. My son loves candy canes. You want to rock his world, you just give him a candy cane. Big or small, he doesn't care. And I thought, yeah, we can everybody walk out of here with a candy cane for them to enjoy in the car ride home. And I thought, no, I think that's selling it short, right? I don't want you to be selfish. If you need a candy cane, you can eat the candy cane. There's grace. But here's what I want you to do. As you're on your way out here this week, I'd love to have you take a candy cane and give it to somebody you can tell that needs joy. And if you're, feeling, if you're feeling bold, maybe throw a hug in there with it too. All of us know people that are in need of joy. But like I was saying, it comes from places we don't even know. Sometimes joy surprises us. And kind of in closing here, as we kind of wrap this up, I, just, I wanted to show you one more video clip. And it's some of the worship leaders from, from our church, not Kim from Hope Des Moines, who's out of town this week, but some of the other worship leaders, you may recognize their faces, and just asking them, what is your fondest Christmas memory? And as they talk, think about what you hear, and think about what you don't hear in terms of where their joy is coming from. Let's take a look. So one of my most memorable Christmases is the year that I actually came back to Des Moines after being gone for about nine years. I was uh, married previously, and my relationship with my ex-wife uh, wasn't the greatest, and in those nine years I never felt like I had the freedom to come home uh, and be with my family during Christmas. So in that span of nine years, my father also passed away, which made 
things difficult with my family and, and there was sort of a distance or a strain in my relationship with my mom and my sister, my brother. Long story short, it came to the point where uh, I ended up leaving that situation and going through a divorce and coming home and it was a great homecoming because I was finally able to tell my family what was going on and that Christmas was a really special Christmas because I was able to uh, be with my family and, and give gifts to them finally that I haven't been able to do uh, for, for a long, long time. And so that stands out to be one of the, the best Christmases ever was coming home. My most memorable Christmas was in 2009. Um, I'm really blessed to have a great family and unfortunately that year I was not able to spend Christmas or Christmas Eve with my family uh, because of a real Minnesota snowstorm. Uh, everybody was pretty much snowed in for two or three days. On Christmas Eve I decided to, to go to one of the local churches in town. Um, I sat in one of the sections where generally I figured it would fill in and it turned out that there was about a five to ten seat radius around me that was completely empty. <laughs> and that was before I had this hideous mustache on my face. <laughs> And uh, so after the service, uh, someone came up to me, uh, his name is Lane, and he's a deacon at the church. He said, hey, uh, my family loves to just spend Christmas Eve together. We have food, we play games, and we usually even build a snowman. Uh, so I'd love to have you come over um, if you don't have anywhere else to go on this Christmas Eve. Uh, so I went over there. Uh, it turned out he had uh, four daughters right around my age, and so that was a, a bonus. It was just amazing to see somebody reach out to a stranger like that and just show unconditional love and hospitality, and, and we're lifelong friends to this day. My favorite Christmas story was the Christmas right before my dad got uh, really sick with a brain tumor. Um, we as a family always just opened, you know, the craziness of Christmas morning, opening all the presents, and then you eat and you just feel terrible. And what we wound up doing uh, as a family was we, always, we would always open presents, eat, and then we would get together and either, you know, play with your gifts or you would, uh, we are a big book family, so we would read our books uh, that we got, but we'd do it in the same room. We'd always do it in the living room, and it had this... We had this big fireplace growing up, and I just remember sitting by the fireplace, reading the books that I got. And my dad was sitting right next to me, and we just read for hours, just hanging out with each other. Didn't need to say anything, but it was, it, it's, it's the place that I go to in my mind when I, I just want to escape, is back to that fireplace with him. That's my favorite Christmas memory. So three stories, three memories, and three examples that there's a whole lot more to this holiday season, to, to this Advent season that God has for us than just the stuff that's under the tree. Amen? Amen. I mean, what did, what did they talk about there? They talked about this joy coming through relationships. They talked about people. They talked about conversations. They talked about just the opportunity to be together. And, and I think it's great. I mean, Perry talks about coming home and Dustin, I mean, with that mustache, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Right, but he talks about this radical hospitality that's offered to him that changes him. Right, and then there's David. There's David who just talks about hanging out with his dad. And we just get the sense that, I just get the sense to look, listening to him talk about that, that it was the most natural thing in the world for him to hang out with his father and just to be together, his family, just to spend time. And I wonder if that isn't what God wants for all of us. 
not just to hang out with our earthly dads or the family we've been given, but this season of Advent, what if it's not about being stressed? What if it's about hanging out with our heavenly dad and just remembering that we're his kids and he's given us gifts and we have a lot to celebrate. Let's seek the kingdom this season, shall we? Amen.